that often, so I'm just letting you all know. I think one of the last times I spoke, Kevin, Kevin John, so funny, he actually played the keys behind, not the keys, he played guitar while he but I felt the Lord, you know, Bill, Bill kind of stopped asking me, but I felt the Lord prompting me this time, and, you know, it's about being obedient, right? So, here I am. Mark 14, 27. Can we get the whole thing up, um, holiday, or 27 yeah. to 30, or just verse by verse? It's verse by verse, but I'm with okay. you. We're trying. Okay. You know, I'll Good job. Interactive. I know you like to be on the spot. <laughs> 14, 27 to 30. Then Jesus said to them, all of you, okay, this is right after the Lord's Supper, they all had communion together, and Jesus says to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Keep this verse in mind the whole time. Because Jesus had a plan from the beginning. He, he knew what was going to happen, but he didn't stay there. And he doesn't want us to get stuck in offense, stuck in betrayal. He knew what was going to happen. He was like, okay, this is going to happen, but after I've been raised, and they had no idea what he was talking about, after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So he's trying to tell them, it's, this is your direction for after it, okay? Of course, Peter couldn't hear any of that. Verse 29, he's like, Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, I won't. I, I will not be. Jesus said to him, surely I say to you <clears throat> that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. Even if I have to die with you, I won't deny you. And, you know, then they all said likewise. So even as we go through this story and this whole account, I want you to try and put yourself in Peter's shoes as the one who's trying to be faithful, and then also then in, in Jesus' shoes as the one, you know, he's our Savior, but, but he also had feelings. You know, he's God, but he was also man, and he had feelings. And what were those feelings like of betrayal? Like when you're... You know, you need, you know, you're looking to your friends to stand with you. 
Like he felt that pain. And, and um, so put yourself in those shoes as we're going through the story and, and just see, well, what is the Lord speaking to you as we go through it, okay? All right. So he knew that they were all going to fall away, right? Verse 27, if we go back to 1427. All were going to fall away. Yikes. That's scary. You know, that's NIV says it too like that. All will fall away. Now, interesting, like, I'm a parent. Today we just dedicated another baby. You know, and if you look at it, well, we're, we're God's children too, right? But God doesn't try to control us or control our actions. So... <laughs> You know, how many of us who are parents, or even if you're not parents, you try to control? You know, but God gave us free will. So here, he's letting them, he's letting the disciples just make their own choices. He's not trying to force them into what he wanted. No, stand by me. I'm going to go to the cross, but I need you to stand by me. I mean... Really, in the old redeemed Tammy, the unredeemed Tammy probably would have done something like that. I need you right here with me now. You know, wow. is well, anybody like I me? Wish like, was here. You, you like I wish Gandy was here. I wish Gandy was here. Oh my God. I, you know, you want to know who's with you. You want to oh know heavens. that somebody's with you. Okay, I, I said yes to Christ. I said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm gonna, but, you know, and... I'm, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious in any way. I'm just trying to make it real. Like, if I put myself in those shoes of what Jesus was facing, how would I react? And I, I think I would have reacted like that. Like, no, 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 okay, I'll, I said yes, I'll go to the cross, but at least you will have to stand right by me. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he's, he's given us free will. He's God. And he gave us free will. Like, we could do whatever we want. And he still loves us, and he knows what we're going to do. And he tells them, listen, I'll, after I rise, I'll meet me in Galilee. I'll go ahead of you. <laughs> okay, they try to read through the tears. That's a thing, okay? That's all blurry. Um, oh, boy. That's right. I know. Jules, 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 Jules got, got it. She's on it. Covenant. They're not actually falling. You know, they're just staying in the blur. Behind the scenes stuff, guys. That's grace. But can you imagine Jesus' disappointment? I mean, knowing that he's going to face death. The sin of the world is going to be on him. And, and, you know, it says in Isaiah, like, he's completely marred. Everything, just think about what that looks like on you. And, and yet, another disappointment? Like, these are my best buds. These are the ones that are supposed to be right with me. They're my inner circle. You know, and, and you, you could see his inner circle. If we just go to 14, verse 32... Mark again. It says, Then they came to the place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Okay, so he took all 12 of them, 
sitting here, well, I thought, well, actually 11, because Judas already ran away, so he could completely traitor, traitor. You know, this is real. This is Jesus' team of 12. One already left, didn't go to Gethsemane with him. He was going to, to you know, get the, the people to come and arrest him, right? So the 11 of them are in the garden, and he's saying to them, sit here while I pray. And then verse 33, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he, he, he's like, let's go over here, a little further away. Peter, James, John, your inner circle, the ones you can trust, the ones you can lean on. They will be there through thick and thin. They will never let me down. And he takes them, and he, and he, says, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. You know what's interesting? This passage of Jesus, not this, the word where Peter says, I'm going to be with you to the end, what we just read a little earlier, it's in all four Gospels. <laughs> it's not just one time. You talk about Peter's betrayal four times in four different Gospels. Like, that's heavy. And I was like, Lord, why? Why is it in all four Gospels, you know? And I feel it's to drive home to us that he can restore. He wants to restore. He wants us to be in the restoring business with him, even on betrayal. Even for things that we need to forgive. Like, this is his goal. It's never to leave it, oh, I'm going to air out your dirty laundry. Peter is no good, no good, no good. He's not, it's not onto that purpose. You have to read the Bible with Dove's eyes looking at it, looking like, wait, because right from the beginning he was saying, I will go to Galilee. I will go ahead of you. His purpose from the very beginning is for restoration, is for healing, is is to bring people together. And it's to help us. And it was to train Peter, too. Okay, so this is like all four Gospels. So now we're in Gethsemane in the garden, and he's, he takes the three aside, and he's like, okay, now you guys, you, my inner circle, stay right here and, and watch with me. And he's deeply distressed, exceedingly sorrowful onto death, in verse 35, he keeps going. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Okay? And uh, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. You know, he, he came to earth to go to the cross. But at the very end, it starts getting the reality of it and taking all the pain of the world. It's, it's rough. Couldn't just do that. So he's saying, could this pass from me? To get the weight of it. And then 37, then he came and found them sleeping. Okay. Oh my gosh. How painful. All right. Like, I'm ready 
to do this for everyone. I asked the three of you. <laughs> I asked the three of you to stand with me. Couldn't you just stand with me? Couldn't you just be there during my dark moment? You didn't understand what I was going through? Like, how could you let me down? Are you thinking of scenarios in your mind right now when either people have done that to you or maybe you were the one that let the other person down? Whew. I was, I know, when God was hitting me with this. It's like, oh. You know, so, um, okay. 38. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time. So he went away three times. And he came back the third time. Are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. My betrayer is at hand. Whew. That's painful. You know, thanks. I mean, um, have you ever felt that kind of friend, that kind of pain, a disappointment from a friend you thought was supposed to be standing with you, or a business partner? Maybe they embezzled monies from you or something. This is real, it happens, and thankfully it's in the scriptures to help us to know how to navigate, because there's a plan for redemption. <laughs> there's always a plan for reconciliation. All right, so we're just gonna keep going down the story a little bit. Oh, wait, did I miss something? Okay, oh, can we go back to verse 37? This was one of the times he came back and found the three asleep, right? But what I find interesting is Jesus in this verse says, and he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch one hour? Like it, it's this thing between Peter and Jesus the whole time. You know, Peter's the one who says, I'll never betray you. Then it's, Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Like, he didn't say that to the other two, or to the 11 in total, right? He just said it to one. And maybe this is Peter who, you know, he's trying to build up to, to bring into a place of maturity to, to do the handoff. You know, like, Peter, you're going to build, you're going to help build my church. You know, you're going to be one of the archbishop in Jerusalem one day. But he needed things deposited inside of him. And Jesus knew, but he, and he wasn't offended by Peter. <laughs> if we could just not be offended, too, by the things that come our way and release it so we could see what's the greater purpose in this. All right, we'll keep going on the story. Let's go to verse 46. Now, the, you know, they came to arrest Jesus, and um, he's betrayed with a kiss. All right. And they laid hands on him and took him. And one of them who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs and everything? Am I a robber? Okay. So we're going to read the same account in John. Let's go to John 18. I'm going to start flipping around a little. John 18, 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? There's always this dialogue between Peter and Jesus. So I... I it, seems like Peter was the leader. It appears that way. He took ownership. He took like, okay, they're coming to get him. I have a sword. I'll cut the ear off. Like, nobody else did these things. Like, I'm the one. I will never leave you. Like, he, it seemed like he was put himself in that position to really kind of take over. And, and you know, he kept messing up, right? But it's okay. Because Jesus was teaching him. All right. Thank God for the Lord's obedience. <laughs> and uh, we'll go to Luke 22. This tells another part of that same story. 2251. Oh, 52. Okay, start from 51. Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So we saw that Peter had struck the ear off, but then in Luke it's saying another part of it that Jesus actually picked it up and he healed the man's ear. He put it back on. Isn't that crazy? Thank you, Jesus. And they're arresting him at that same time. I know. All right, we're going to go back to Mark. Mark 14. Mark 14, we'll start with 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. Okay, this is... He knew it was going to happen, and this is what happened. Then they all fled. And then if we go down to 66, from 66 to 72, it tells the story of, um, of, G of Peter's betrayal in the courtyard. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, um, You're with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it, saying, I neither know or understand what you're saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. Okay. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. In verse 70. But he denied it again, and a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I don't know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed, and Peter called to mind the word 
that Jesus said. Okay, we're going to look at this in John also. John verse uh, chapter eighteen verse seventeen. Or I could just I could even read this one. In this one, what the interesting part about it, the other piece of information, is that a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him, and Peter again denied knowing him. That that is unbelievable. Like here, I was there. He was saying, I I was there. That was my relative. And uh, and he denied it again. And the one the last one I want to go to is Luke 22. Also part of the story. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oh, is that crushing? That's really hard. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. And as I ponder, like, what made Peter, like, run away and deny all this and, and, and hide and, and get angry and scream and, you know, yell at the people? What was he hiding? You know, was it because he didn't want to be, get up on charges because he cut the, the, the ear off? You know, what was his motivation? And you know, Bill and I just came back from this Restoring the Foundations. For those that don't know what it is, it's an inner healing thing and everything. And they're, they're, the, a big focus of what they do is shame, fear, and control. And I see what he's doing, what, what Peter's doing here. He's acting out. You know, when you, when you get angry like that, it's typically you're trying to control your situation. You're trying to control people with your anger. And so he's getting angry, and then he's ashamed for what he's doing. He's like, oh, no, he's denying it. And, and fear is rising up because he might get caught if he was the one who cut the ear off. And, and all these things could be going on inside his head. But it doesn't scare God. It doesn't make Jesus withdraw from Peter. Peter and Jesus, God, Jesus, had this thing, as so every one of us here that he's looking to restore us, to bring us to glory. Like Jen was giving earlier, you know, in the announcement for these classes, the idea, the goal is, is that he's going to bring many sons to glory. That means we're going to look more and more like Jesus. So if this is just where Peter is at, this is who he is. He's not a great leader. He, he's not loyal. He doesn't know how to stand up. When the going gets tough, it doesn't scare Jesus. So wherever you're at, in whatever you do, your role, even your personality, none of it is frightening to God. He knows exactly where you're at. And he wants to bring you higher. He wants to call you higher. He doesn't care if you lie. His intention and his goal is to bring 
the best out of you, the gold out of you, to change you from the inside. These were the ones that were going to change the whole world upside down. And yet they had so much baggage they had to get through. I'm hoping that today this is going to give you hope for your own baggage. You know, and thank God for the baggage we've left behind. I know I've left a lot of baggage behind. There's <laughs> a lot of that control. And you didn't know me a few years ago. <laughs> Even in Christ you can have these things. So you got to, it's, it's an exercise of going to the cross with all your stuff. And letting him take you on that journey to bring many sons to glory. Okay. Wow. No, we break off shame, fear, and control off of everybody in here today. No hiding in Jesus' name. Mm -mm. No anger and no controlling people. Thank you, God. Okay. Whew. So now Jesus has to face that cross. But it says, for the joy set before him, it was the joy set before him that he went to the cross. <laughs> and we were that joy. That was the, his, his eye was on the prize. It was the joy set before him was us, all of us. And he went to that cross, but, you know, he knew now I, I have to go on that cross, but without my friends. It's them too. It's okay. It's okay if the going gets tough and there's nobody there and you're left alone. It's okay. It's okay for every time you felt alone, it's okay. Jesus was alone. I mean, I know this is hitting a chord. You got to come to a, a resolution in your heart that Jesus never leaves you nor forsakes you. So every time you feel alone, don't wallow in that self-pity of alone. Jesus understands it, and he wants you to go to him and let him walk it with you. Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Luke 23. He's so amazing. Yes. Even on the cross, look what he says, verse 34. <coughs> I feel like somebody else should read that out. Somebody read it. Or everybody read it. Everybody. Yeah, everyone read it. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. On the cross. See, he made a decision before he got to the cross that it's okay that they betrayed me. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help. I'll, I'll be there. He forgave, but then he forgave the whole world. Every sin. Everything. He was marred beyond um, recognition. recognition. Thank you. <laughs> he was marred beyond recognition. He took it all on. Woo. 
And then let's see what else he said on the cross, too. Um, you know, this is something that only Jesus bore. We'll look at Mark 15. We don't ever have to bear this, okay? Never. But this is what he took for us on the cross. Mark 15 verse. Thirty-three and thirty-four. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a moment, his father had to turn his back to take the sin of the world on him. No one in this room will ever have to face that. That's the good news. Because <laughs> he did it once and for all, for all mankind. But that's what Jesus faced. You talk about getting triggered. Like, you can get triggered and could you still walk it through in the grace that Jesus did? But with him as our high priest, we can do all things. He's going to help us walk it through. And yet this is one thing you will never have to walk through. Because he will always be there with you. Thank you, God. Yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, then it's the third day, and he raises up from the grave, and they, they didn't understand that. They didn't, the disciples didn't have that understanding yet about that. So this is what happens, it's so cool. Mark 16, I never put this together, 16 verse seven, I never put it together till the other day. Well, we'll start maybe with verse 6. Okay, this is, um, the ladies have gone now to the tomb, and they're finding it empty. Um, okay, maybe we better start with verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man. Okay, this is an angel. A young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where he lay. But go tell his disciples. <laughs> that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Go tell Peter. No one's being left out. He's looking to restore. He's looking to change us from glory to glory. Isn't that amazing? Get an angel come and tell them. Go tell Peter. Because he's kicking himself. He's probably wanting to walk away. Ugh. Now, this is the breakfast part. We're going to go have breakfast. John 21. 
From verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And that's in Galilee. Okay, that's the Sea of Galilee. Another name is Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going to go with you too. They went out, immediately got in the boat, that night caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and they were, able, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. <laughs> now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, okay, he put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. This Peter has not lost his zeal. Like he's just I'm gonna be the first one. That's him. Oh my gosh, have I blown it? I, uh, but the angel, there was an angel sent that said, Go and meet me in Galilee, I'm coming, I'll be there. And he's just like, I gotta, I gotta go to him. So he gets out of that boat, um, and the others were dragging the net with the fish. The other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. I mean, this is his zeal. Like, he left the, the others, and he's, like, going back to get the net. Oh, he's like, do this. I'm going to go and do it. Okay. And he drags that thing, and I can't see again. Okay. Um, Simon Peter went and dragged the net full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. He cared for their sustenance. He cared for their profit. He cared how, how they would get their provision. He cares for all of that. 153 fish. And another version says, that, well, oh, here it says, the large fish, the net didn't even break. This is unheard of. Another miracle. Thank you, Jesus. And this is the best part for me anyway. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. <laughs> Let's come and have breakfast. Let's talk a while. Let's restore. Let's build. Ugh. Yeah, none of the, the disciples asked him, Who are you, knowing that this was the Lord? Then Jesus came, and he took bread, and he gave it to them. He's, he's serving them breakfast. And likewise, fish. This is now the third time okay, that he came. So this is breakfast. So I'm going to let you in a little bit on my own family. Um, my family that I grew up in, and it's not, it's not a matter of dishonor. All this stuff has been you know, resolved in many, many multitudes of ways. Um, they didn't know how to forgive that easy. 
they held a lot of grudges. That was the norm, right? And um, when Bill and I were coming together, you know, we were dating, we met in college. Um, then we received Jesus. We became born again. And then everything, every, all hell broke loose. <laughs> First, um, it was the com combining of different nationalities, different cultures, and the one I'm from was very, in, you had to stay within. It was like a subculture. It was like totally, you have to stay right there. You can't, you can't even really have many friends outside that culture. I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, I, I yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I grew up, right? And um, Bill is not He's not Greek, okay? So, <laughs> so um, and we got born again. And this was not, the mixture was, um, So we, we got married. It was very, very difficult. Uh, I'll spare a lot of that, but I'll tell you that they even hired a deprogrammer to have me deprogrammed, okay? And, and they planned to kidnap me and bring me to Miami to have me deprogrammed, right? And just, just to see the restoration of it. So my oldest son and his wife this weekend are in Miami staying at the place, my relative. <laughs> and all this stuff is gonna happen. You know, it's, that's just, just the restoration stories are incredible. You know what I mean? And they're sending me pictures of who they're all with and the families and everything. Okay, but, I was 20 years old, and I was in trauma. I mean, everything I knew, the rejection, every, I, I mean, this, this story, you know, needs just one message just for this story, but I want to get to this point. I was working, I just came home from our, from our wedding and our, our honeymoon, it was so tumultuous. At the end, my father did walk me down the aisle, I was so grateful. Um, and it was so good. And, and um, then Bill was working. I mean, I was working. Bill had a night job, right? And he was not working then. And so he, um, he never told me anything. But he showed up at my parents' door with a bag of rolls for breakfast. <laughs> Back then, people ate white bread. <laughs> <laughs> so he rang the doorbell, and um, you know my mother sees him at the door, and he's like, "Hi, mom. What's for breakfast?" And this is, I mean, the it's not cursed out. Is not you can't even put words or you can't imagine. That's and that we can't imagine when we talk about what happened. We say it's fictional. It didn't really happen to us, but it did. So he came carrying a bag of rolls, and he says, hi, Mom, what's for breakfast? And she's looking at him like, what? Like, what? Why? Who are you? Like, what are you doing here? You know, and she let him in, and then she called for my father. He's retired. He's sleeping, you know, so she's, she calls him, Michael, Michael, I'm doing Greek. And, uh, and, and she's like, what am I supposed to do? She's, he said to her, well, make him breakfast. So, you know, he brought the rolls, you make the eggs, right? So um, he comes down and 
And they sat together and they're talking like so they figured out this guy's too naive to understand. <laughs> and we don't want <laughs> But you know something? This broke. This is breakfast. This is what Jesus did. He made them breakfast. He tells them, go bring them the fish, but he already had fish on the <laughs> This is about restoring. This is the goal. This is what we're supposed to do. So um, that was the beginning of restoration, but also that I started to learn forgiveness because I saw it modeled for me in a totally different way. It's like, oh, this is the way Christ wants us to forgive. You know, so it's awesome. Come have breakfast. And, and so there's just some keys for restoration. And um, first, have a meal together. Second, after the meal, have a conversation. Not with the intention of, I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> to tell you off, to get this off my chest, to blow steam. If you really want to do it this way, then go with the intention of, okay, how can we make this right? What can we do? Because the other way, you got to know what you want. What's the end game? Do you want to restore, or do you just want to blow steam? And, you know, we're not even going into, I don't even think we have time to go into how Jesus personally restored Peter. Well, maybe we'll do one. So, verse 15, 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. Then he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed, feed my sheep. So Jesus' way of restoring him was to speak into him his identity and his calling. That's part of the restoration. You call out the gold in what you see in the person there. And I tell you, as parents, like you have to learn this. It's so easy to tell, well, it was easy for me, okay? <laughs> Tell my kids off, but you have to call out the gold if you're gonna if you want them to go and be the gold. You have to call it out in them. So as we go through this, I told you put yourself in Peter's shoes, put yourself in Jesus' shoes. If there's anyone that's offended you, can you forgive them? family members, loved ones, old relationships, a co-worker, a business partner. 
maybe you need to have a meal with somebody. With the right heart motivation. And maybe you need to forgive yourself. That's something that I, I didn't fully un understand. I remember when I first used to start, you know, teaching different things, children's ministry, all different places, Bruce Lake, <coughs> camp retreats, <laughs> long time ago, forgiveness. Somebody came up to me and said to me, but how about if you just can't forgive yourself? This is where Jesus, the way he restored Peter, it brought him into a greater understanding of God's love. And when you see that, and you see how much God loves you, who are you to stand in such great judgment of yourself that you can't forgive yourself? This brought it so home to Peter that one day he really was that leader in the body. He even went to martyrdom for Christ. He didn't deny him. <laughs> he finished well. Amen. So what does forgiveness mean? To pardon a debt or an offense, not to hold the debtor responsible or guilty. And you know the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew 6. I mean, we you know, we could all quote it, I hope, and, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you give forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And I want to read that to you, those two verses. I want to read it to you in Greek. And the forgiveness in there is afes and afiamen. Afes and afiamen in the second verse, okay? Interesting, that word afes and afiamen, it's the same root word as afisemen. Afisen, afisen. You know what that means? Let it go. Wow. <laughs> so forgiveness is linked to let it go. Just let it go. Let it go so you can be free. Because if you hold on to unforgiveness, it's going to bind you. And everyone else can see it. You're stuck in this bitterness. You can't see it anymore, but everyone else sees it. So let it go. Forgiveness is linked to it. Thank you, Jesus. Woohoo! Mm. Uh -uh -uh. So, I, I think I should stop because it's one o'clock. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop just with this. I'm just gonna I have more, but I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna stop with this. So, there was a crazy way that that one um, one of the torture ways for the Roman Empire was a, a murderer would, this is the way they tortured, okay? You, not all the time, but they did this. So they, a person that was dead, they would strap him to your back. 
And so every time, you know, like you're moving around, you, you have something, a dead person strapped to your back. And then eventually, you know, the maggots on them, the poisons, they get secreted from them. And because you're stuck with them, you get affected. And eventually, you die. Okay, unforgiveness is poison. It will kill you from the inside out. Let that dead weight go. Let it go. Cut it off. Just forgive, forgive, forgive. And I want to encourage everyone, I think this is part of like the call today, is just um, maybe we have to surrender our rights. Like they did me wrong. But just surrender our rights to hold on to unforgiveness. And if the Lord through this time has been speaking to you or just showing you a picture of a, a storyline in your past, that's a good place to start. And ask him to forgive you and, and let the forgiveness flow out of you to others. Let it go. It's one of the few Greek words that Bill knew, which is so funny. <laughs> he actually tried to talk Greek <laughs> to fill up the car one day in Greece. And he wanted to say thank you, and he forgot. <laughs> and instead, he said, "Ah, he said it." <laughs> 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 <laughs>